Hello and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read manga before. The show is hosted by me, Deva Oki, David Brothers, Christopher Butchers, and our favorite manga reader, Chip Zdarsky. I, I, I do consider myself a manga reader. I do consider myself a manga reader now. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> see? Yeah, you're, you're drinking the, the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you too can follow along with our reading list at mangasplaining.com. So, my name is Deb Aoki, and I am hosting this week because I'm recommending this week's pick, which is Yotsuba. Yotsuba and, or Yotsuba to, by Kiyohiko Azuma. It's from Yen Press. And let's see, how do I explain Yotsuba? Um, Yotsuba is basically, I think everyone kind of considers it a all-ages manga, but it's kind of originally written for um, a men's magazine, a seinen manga magazine. Dengeki Dayo. And it's basically about a five-year-old girl who has green hair, and um, she and her adoptive father move to a, a town in Japan. And they basically have everyday types of adventures. The The title of the book is in Japan is Yotsuba To, which means Yotsuba and. Every chapter is Yotsuba and something. Yotsuba and pancakes. Yotsuba and rain. Yotsuba and the neighbors, um, Yotsuba and um, a teddy bear. Every week, it's kind of something a little bit, well, I guess it's a little, it's, it really is a slice of life manga. I mean, because we've had things that were very dramatic, very um, action-packed, and this is a little bit slower. <laughs> mm, kind of plot-free a little bit. A little bit. It's a little episodic. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go down the line. And um, David, can you tell me what you think about Yotsuba? Yeah, so I'm a longtime fan of this series. Uh, like I read this back when ADV, uh, rest in peace, first released the run, you know, the retouch sound effects and everything. And I think it's really funny. And it was nice to reread it and still think that a lot of it was really funny. Because a lot of time has passed since I first read this volume. So I, you know, that was maybe 2006 or 2007, something like that. Yeah. And the jokes still land. It's, I think I would be very irritated to be around Yotsuba in real life but in terms of it being like a like a parenting fantasy mm. it's really good like they really get across the idea that everything you run into has the potential to be amazing um and the art is rougher than i remembered it being because i think it gets more polished as the series goes on yeah definitely yeah, honestly even episode even the second volume i was shocked at how much cleaner it looks in the first volume yeah and, you know, I liked Kiyohiko Azuma's work from Azumaga Dayo, like his previous series. I think it was before, yeah, it was before this. Um, but I think this is like much cleaner, much more focused. It's not really creepy the way Azumaga was sometimes. <laughs> how was that creepy? Yeah, to tell. Uh, there was, you know how people on the internet say waifu? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's directly because of Azumaga Dayo, Dayo, because there was a teacher character who would always talk about his wife. And in like a Japanese accent, it would come out like my waifu. Uh, but he would also like creep on students in a, in a scare quotes funny way. Uh, because, you know, humor was different in 2001, I guess. But this kind of cuts out any kind of like innuendo or anything like that and just makes it weird. And I think it's much better for it. Mm. I have seen um, Dojinsi like, fan comics where they try to sexualize the relationship between Yotsub and her dad. And I yeah, immediately, it's weird. I immediately, oh. you know, 
burn incense in front of it and run a one screaming from it because like, no, that's that's sacrilege. Don't yeah. you dare. It's like the one I was wondering peanuts if we were going to get into or this or not. But uh, <laughs> you guys just dove right in. All right, here we go. Fucking internet, man. Yeah. Well, here maybe we can get into it in a little bit, but uh, yeah. I mean, but, what did you think? Did you? What's your take, Chris? I'd read this. So this is this is a weird one because it come out from ADV during the big manga boom and then the bust that followed uh, in the in the two thousand early two thousands mid two thousands. ADV published it and then ADV went out of business. Yen Press acquired it. So this is actually our first license rescue where something was licensed by a publisher, stopped being published, and then was picked up again by a new publisher. License rescue is a term that you now know. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. So this is our first license rescue. But most people that are reading manga today probably have no idea it ever had another volume unless they're like in a used bookstore and see like a weird, you know, printing on the spine or something like that. This was huge because it was it ran in a seinen magazine, like a, like a men's magazine in, in Japan. Like not like how we mean men's magazine, but like a you know older older teen, young twenties, you know, kind of aimed magazine. Here it's uh, rated all ages. It's for kids, and I don't think there's anything in it that would be inappropriate, other than it's like origin, if you know what I mean. Like yeah, Azumanga Daio also had a. I think it ended up having a thirteen plus rating in the end, just because there was some stuff that was a little bit skeevy. But yeah, this is a, as an all ages all ages book is totally fits into North American all ages kinds of comics and things like that so that's the background i liked it i don't love it the way mm. I, I i could see exactly how people how it becomes somebody's favorite manga because it's like so manga <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> can you expl- like, explain that <laughs> yeah, yeah like, explain. i don't know i mean i've been i've been doing this for a little while but like there used to be a thing called glomping at anime conventions where someone would walk up to you would come up and just like yell and like attack hug you like talk about lack of consent or whatever yeah and as long as you said you were glomping someone well you couldn't really be upset about it that that this is the manga version of that like ideology it's just like this there's this like five-year-old and she just runs around doing whatever the fuck she wants at all times and everyone's just like well she's an energetic child uh and it's just like oh i i think that what's a problem with the first volume is that the way that he initially draws her she looks older than she is so then it seems like what's this eight-year-old you know acting so zero home training (laughs) Zero home training, yeah, is is good. Uh, and then and they even go through the process of trying to have her be trained. But I don't know. Like, I've got nieces and nephews, and they're maybe they're just because it's blood relatives. You find them less annoying. Yes, so my actually, my, my real like big thing. Yeah, there you go. There you go. My big thought was, I really like this. Ki- I, this is a really well done manga. It is definitely not for me. But the stuff I liked was when Yotsuba exists as an agent of chaos and it, like affects the characters around her uh-huh. and we get to see and it's about them it's about them reacting to her the stories where it's about her i was just i was actually kind of bored but i would be like speed reading through to get to the one like get to a get to a, a story that was a little bit more my speed but i like her as an agent of chaos but i don't think she can i don't know the manga's called yotsuba and stuff so when the stuff is other people i'm on board uh when the stuff is not other people it's like I get how it's funny, and I think I've seen people who are just so charmed by it, who love it so much. But I don't, I don't find her antics charming all the time. Unfortunately, it, I'm sorry funny, to be a downer. It, it's funny that you say, you know, she does whatever the fuck she wants, because yeah. I don't really see that. Like, she doesn't do anything 
bad or negative, and she does like others and care about others. Like I don't, I don't, I don't see her as being like she's an agent of chaos, but in a in a very pleasant way and not in a self centered way. No, it's a hundred percent self centered to me. Like she like her her dad's unpacking and she just like fucking runs away in the first story and she's just like gone and the neighbor girl's like this is that a problem should i go look for her and he's like no she'll come back when she gets hungry and you're just like okay like he's a very interesting dad he's very (laughs) she's a five-year-old she's just bouncing like all right i don't know Uh, maybe that's 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 on them that's on the parents (laughs) but she literally disappears from sight like and that's every story she also wants to save the planet. She's upset about global warming. Global warming. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We're, we're, getting, we're getting way sorry. deep into yeah, it. Yeah, we're getting deep yeah. into it. Deb, uh, before we get to Chip, what did, I mean, I, obviously you picked this. You must love it more than I did. What did, what did you think of it? I, I feel a little, a little weird about it in the sense that I, I've been reading it for a while, and it's been a while since I've read the first volume, The Fresh Look. And I'm realizing that's actually... Not the best volume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, the latter volumes are when things really start getting fun. Like, um, besides, because in the initial part, it's like everyone just kind of likes Yotsuba, right? She's just kind of mischievous and cute. But then as more characters get in, introduced, there's more pe- people to kind of uh, have some friction with her. Like there's Yanda, who is her father's co-worker. Mm-hmm. Often mentioned, but never shows up in this volume. Yeah, but he's kind of actively, he actively antagonizes Yotsuba. Like, mm. like she's like saying, I got an ice cream cone and you don't got one. And he reaches right and he just glomps it and like just eats it. And then she goes, <laughs> I hate you, I hate you. So then there's Danbo, the, the cardboard robot, you know. Mm-hmm. And then that, she's like, oh, what? you know, like the neighbor girl dresses up in cardboard boxes and pretends she's this robot from outer space. And Yotsuba's like, oh, it's so amazing, right? So there's all these characters that kind of come into play where it, it kind of shows a different side of Yotsuba. That, yeah. that you know, one, she's not universal. She is universally loved, but she's not universally just accepted, like, everything. Like, people make fun of her or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of she tell her rivals. when she's wrong. Or, like, the time when she tells a lie and mm-hmm. her dad goes, takes her to the temple to show her the demon. To kind of scare her into telling the truth, so there's there's more to it later, and yeah. it builds mm. in a way that you know builds her character, and you start to like her a little bit more because you know like American TV, American cartoons are full of bratty little kids. Absolutely, and mm-hmm. this, Yotsuba's brand of being a bratty little kid is way more endearing <laughs> and sweet and tolerable to me. Well, she's she's super over the top. Like usually, the 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 kind of North American bratty little kids are like you know kind of sly and like they're pulling one over on people. Like mm-hmm. she's not pulling one over on anyone. She's just like over the top, excited and happy at all times, which you know is is something I don't think I've seen in uh, comic strips before. Like that 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 was my big takeaway from this, which was it's a character I haven't actually seen before, oh, which, uh, huh. which made it interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you have any more to say, Deb. But I'm, I just no, I'm, I'm just curious to see what you think because I've, like I said, I've been reading this for a while, and I, I look forward to reading it. It's on yeah. volume up to volume fourteen now, and it's been like kind of about a two-year hiatus, and then volume fifteen is going to come out sometime later this year. 
you know, it's it's one of those books that everyone like. Whenever people have to, you know, say I'm going to recommend manga to people who don't normally read manga, or I'm going to recommend manga to kids or whatever, everyone says Yotsuba. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious what you thought of it because this is this is a this is kind of like a you know a favorite recommendation for manga readers to non manga readers, and I'd love to hear what you think. Okay, well, first of all, let me just say that so far all the books we've read, um, I've I've enjoyed them all. This one is probably the lowest on the list of, of enjoyment, but mm-hmm. it's the highest mm-hmm. on the list of I want to read the next volume, if that makes any sense. Ooh, tell me more. Mm. Interesting. Like, it's weird because I, I did I did kind of find her character a little annoying and it, it might skew a bit too young for me. I, I Much like Chris, I did kind of probably enjoy the, the, uh, the, the chapters and storylines that involve the other characters. Like I love Jumbo, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Jumbo guy. I got a Jumbo tattoo on my back earlier this week. <laughs> Takes up the whole back. Yeah, um, same. Um, so so yeah, I, yeah. Jumbo's your type, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think I met him in Nicho, man. No, sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I by the end, there are just enough hooks to make me want to find out what happens next. Like the fact that like it's kind of casually mentioned at some point, okay, she's an orphan mm-hmm. and uh, that he found her. Yeah. yeah. Like that's I wanna, a line. I want to know what that's about. Like that's a line where I'm just like, what? And it, they don't follow up on it. So I'm like, oh, what? I need to read volume two. Mm. Like this is one that I'm, I'm probably going to actually check out volume two of, even though like overall I don't, I wasn't as, as charmed as it by probably most people would be like there's still something about the characters and the situations i'm a sucker for a three sister storyline <laughs> too i'm just reading that i'm like this is a trope this feels like a trope to have like the three yeah. sisters in different kind of stages of life like maybe some will be interested in the male characters maybe some of the male characters be interested in them like I, it feels like there's conflict just kind mm-hmm. of inherent in the situation mm. And, and I, I kind of, I kind of want to see where that goes, especially because I want my man Jumbo to get some. <laughs> I read one and two to back to back, and I can be, I, I can honestly say all my favorite parts of Yotsuba from reading one and two back to back are in volume two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The the part where she gets the water gun and she's reenacting scenes from a gangster movie she watched. I was going to mention like, that one. That's on my list is too. So I laughed out loud multiple times in that story alone. But like, yeah, all the good stuff is, it's, sorry, the, the second volume is, is much, much stronger. I really, I really yeah. feel like I should have, um, like we're, how we're going to do four, uh, four billion needles, uh, assigned a certain, more than just the first volume. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. They should do a best of. There's 14 volumes. People don't do best ofs here, really, mm. because everyone wants everything once it gets released. And Oishinbo, which we're going to read, is a best of mm. that's different than the best ofs that are in Japan. I would read a best of Yotsuba. I think that'd be an awesome book to put out. Yeah, I mean, everything, to... everything happens. It's um, One thing that's worth noting is that the vast majority of the series happens in the summer. And it's, um, mm. it's around when you get to volume 12 that you start. He's. They start introducing the concept of autumn, and you're like, "Oh my god! Everything has been happening over the period of three or four months." It's like Game of Thrones or something. Yeah, yeah. Every chapter, it, I was reading some research. Every chapter is supposed to be one day in the life of this five-year-old girl, 
uh, and it goes back to what David was saying. You're like, everything has the potential to be amazing. And if you're just like five and you're discovering, you know, you lived out in the country or something like that. That's what I'm thinking is going on. Mm. She moved to the big city. And so every day she's discovering something new by living in this big city. And it's just like over a period of three months, it softened the blow a little bit. Doing the research afterwards made me less annoyed with her uh, <laughs> as a character. But the honestly, yeah, I would re- I want to read volume three as well because volume two was so much funnier than the first one. And I thought, you know, like, again, I think it's totally fine but i think uh i think what I'm, i think it there's a lot there there, there were solid there there were solid funny moments yeah. in, in the first volume yeah um yeah i mean I, I would happily read all the volumes if the uh, publisher wanted to, to send us the digital copies <laughs> mark if you're listening please send us all the digital well, copies there is yeah. no digital uh, no, well, there is um, now. There is. There is now, yeah. but not on Comixology. It's on. Uh, yeah, you but... said Apple Books. You found it. I, I'm, yeah, I'm reading this one on Apple Books, and oh. I'm reading. On uh, I read. I read uh, Helter Skelter on Apple Books as well. Because how interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. There's a Kindle edition. David, you read the Kindle? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the way Apple Books fakes having a spine is really annoying for some reason. <laughs> it is. It's very. It's very annoying. I don't care for it. It's like I bought an iPad for a reason. Like, come on. Mm, but yeah. on the, <laughs> but yeah, I thought the jokes were pretty strong in this one. Uh, there yeah. were some really good ones, some really good setups. And one of my favorite jokes in comics is when a talented artist has to draw something poorly. Something about ah. it always, like the, the meta level of it, of like, no, this person knows how to draw. So yeah. it's a good artist version of a bad drawing. Yeah. Love great. to see it. And no, of course, there's a scene with that in here. Oh, where Fuka is think, drawing uh, with uh, Yotsuba, that one? Yeah, and everyone's like, no, this drawing's terrible. Like, everyone agrees <laughs> that she sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think that, like Deb was saying, like, all the best parts come later on. There's the gangster thing. There's a part where they just casually mention that she's not allowed to fight sheep at the petting zoo anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> And there are just tons of these little things that are just really fantastic jokes, like really great moments in time or just great gags. When they went shopping, there were a couple scenes that I thought were going to happen, I think, that are from a later chapter where she like discovers video cameras and like seeing herself, you know, on a screen. (laughs) Mm. There are all these little great moments. But the characters like Yonda. Oh, Yonda. Yes. Tell me more. Yeah. He never appears in this volume, but he's basically her foil, like her arch rival. So while Jumbo's very supportive and, you know, like, you know, I'll carry you on my back. We can go catch bugs or whatever. Yonda's the one who is like, I'm eating your ice cream. I'm playing with your toys. And no, you cannot play with me. And And like, Yonda's a grown man. Uh He's a grown man. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to read volume two. Yeah. 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 Because I did. I, 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 I enjoyed the jokes in this. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just a bit too f- far and few between to really make me mm-hmm. yeah. fully invest in it. Mm-hmm. Like there's no jokes in that chapter about rain. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- yeah. And it ends on such a, and she's so special. We all love her. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever gets her down. And you're like, Oh my fucking gag me. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but like, but like there are parts where it's like, yeah, it's that was a that was a that was a show don't tell moment that someone should have had a moment with the author. <laughs> but, but that moment actually hit me because what? Um, no, You're not like soft. No, no, Starsky. no, not not in, not in a, uh, a touch my heart kind of way. But you kind of witness as characters of the book just always like wide eyed and smiling and laughing, and then somebody actually says it and goes mm. like, so it's not like 
so you know it's an aberration, right? Mm. Mm. And also, it's an aberration, but when someone points it out, my question is, why is she like that? And I keep expecting, like, a revelation. Like, that that was part of the, uh, you know, uh, I found her. Mm. Like, I'm like, was she an alien? Like, what's going on here? Like, or like a, some out? kind of war orphan or something? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, there's something there's something there. Like, do you, will you end up seeing the flip side? So I, I actually appreciated the fact that the character pointed that out. Because mm. otherwise, it's like you're, you're kind of left... You refresh to this, you think, is she from another plant because her hair is green and stuff like that? Or, yeah. like, um, why why doesn't she know what a playground swing is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's things yeah. like that where you start thinking, like, what's wrong with her? But that, Yeah, I, I mean, I might be wrong. It feels like there's a mystery there. Mm. You guys have read more than I have, so you'd be able to It's a mystery that. they aren't interested in solving. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Like, there definitely is, like, something there, but it's, like... Mm not the story of the book, you know? But you'll find out by springtime. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> when she turns into her final alien form. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I've only been supposed to be here for one year. I'm going now. Yeah, like... Uh, yeah. There is a manga trope here, because her hair is green on the cover, and I think it's I think it's the manga trope of we're going to make a character's hair a different color when they appear in color. I first encountered it in Ranma when Ranma's, you know, turns into Ramachan, turns into female form. Mm-hmm. His hair goes from black and then she has red hair. Uh, but in IRL, like within the world of the comic, her hair is still dark. Like her hair is still, is still black. And it's just one of those things where you give a character, you just want to make the character design pop and look good. But in, in the story, they don't comment on her having green hair because she doesn't. Uh, she would have. Well, cause Yotsuba means four leaf clover. And you know she has four ponytails? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it's like, it's just a character design thing. It's her hair isn't actually green within the context of the story. How do just you know that? Because the fact that they don't comment on it, and they comment on Jumbo just being tall, <laughs> nonstop, <laughs> huge, <laughs> over but and they over, do which is a thing. they immediately recognize her as looking strange. They, they do re- immediately recognize is her. Is there, is there an anime of this? No, and that's... Oh, there's... <laughs> Do tell. No, there's kind famously of. not yes. an anime. But, what? Uh, go for it, David. So the <laughs> the breakout character of this manga about a young girl who's very precocious is a cardboard box that you meet in volume like two or three. Uh, Chris mentioned that one of the girls dresses up as a cardboard box, and it's basically yeah. an Amazon box that they personify. And for okay. some reason, it really took off. So the only animation of Yatsuba is a spinoff of that where a bunch of cats are cardboard boxes like that. It's called and it's Nyan, like a 3D Nyanbo. CG thing. Nyan yeah. means meow. <laughs> and it's amazing. ludicrous. Like, I, I have no idea how any of this <laughs> happened. Yeah. It seems like a no-brainer for animation, but I think also there might be something that's, like, just specifically comics about this. Like, maybe it would be too sweet, too saccharine if there was, like, voices and reality behind it. I think that like there was an interview where he said that he didn't want it to be anime because the way that the pacing is that there would be a lot of quiet moments and that would not that would not work well in anime. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. also, I'd imagine the the animators were all fighting over whether or not she actually has green hair. <laughs> <laughs> They'd put it in. They'd, don't worry. But you know, there's anime like that, like you know, like Wandering Witch, like uh, like the what was that the the Wandering Witch series where it's just the witches hanging out in the summertime. And there's a bunch of like <laughs> super, super slice of life anime where just, just pleasant life. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so I, I don't know, I don't know quite if his um, excuse about not having anime is like that, but I kind of took it more like kind of similar to Bill Watterson and uh, Kelvin and Hobbes and how he mm. refused to have that animated. I kind of yeah. took it that way. Probably just waiting for that big payday. <laughs> Rumiko Takahashi size check. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. I put a link to Cardbo in the chat so you can see. It's a cover to Yatsuba Volume 5. And this is the character that everyone loves. Like, you can get all kinds of merch. There are power strips, video game cases, notebooks. And it's all this dumb-looking cyborg. But it's so easy to build, right? It's kind of like, you yeah. can, all you have to do, you don't even have to be special molds for this. You just need a box. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easiest toy to make. And as everyone Great. knows, anyone who has a cat knows, a cardboard box is the best toy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and Yatsuba is so like precocious and pure that she buys in completely. She's like, oh no, yeah. like this is real. This is really a robot. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I get why they made that the offshoot uh, yeah. animated uh, character, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that volume two then? Uh, volume or five. Volume, volume five, five. It shows yeah. up. Yeah. This is the wow. cardboard box. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of reading. I think like if, if, you, if you just pick up volume five, it's really great because there's Yonda in here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then there's also my, one of my favorite ones is Yotsuba and Pancakes, where Yotsuba has, uh, makes pancakes for the first time. And she does almost everything you can do to make pancakes oh, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like she spills the pancake mix and she can't quite get the milk into the measuring cup. And then she, she, her dad makes this perfectly beautiful round pancake and she makes these dribble pancakes. She makes these black pancakes. And then her father kind of like, she's like, no, no, it's okay. You know, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. And then one time she, she gets the pen, she gets the spatula underneath it. And then she slams it down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, I remember reading this. I was just like, it just made me laugh hysterically. <laughs> it was yeah. so classic. <laughs> and it's such a ridiculous concept. <laughs> so I, I, I have a question like in terms of like audience. Yeah, you're saying that this uh, runs in or ran in uh, a, a boys' magazine, a uh, mags? men's magazine. Yeah. So, like for, I guess people our age. That strikes me as odd. Maybe <laughs> I have some inherent sexism in me that doesn't understand that because this 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 seems to me to be a girls' manga. Am I misgendering the manga? Like, uh, I think yes. it's a lot of things actually. But from this perspective, it's. It's very much a fantasy of fatherhood. Okay. Like, what if you had a kid and that kid was at no risk at all from wandering around the neighborhood like a house cat? And is that is that something that uh, men have fantasies about? Uh, some in I Japan think. they do. Really? <laughs> There's lots of manga like this. There's lots. Yeah, yeah like, like, that's what I'm interested manga in. Like, because like, yeah, I don't uh, I don't relate to it on that level. Like, I don't have a fantasy of having a precocious five year old. Yeah. There's and, and um, definitely single father manga quite a bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's sweetness but, and lightning, for example, and that like it's a a guy with a young daughter and they cook. Yeah. <laughs> so mm. cooking manga again. <laughs> Even like like the idea of like single father manga that strikes me as something that would appeal to women. Uh, but that's but that's my romance novel background. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like well, not, I would read romance novels in my twenties which is a whole other podcast, I think. 
I think so. But, but that, that was a, that was a common theme. Like mm-hmm. the the father who's like uh, life either passed away or left him, and he just struggles to like be a good man and like raise his kid, and that's like this romantic ideal for the main character of the woman to come in and like see this man just doing everything right and being ultimate man, you know? <laughs> so, so that this strike, I, I guess that's why this strikes me as a, um, a, a women's manga, but, um, but yeah, it's well, you're wrong and you're a sexist. You're an asshole. No, 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 no. I, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I, I accept but it is, you would but never guess. The cultural difference. Yeah. Like how this would appeal to like, to, uh, to men as like a primary audience anyways. Like, think, like gentlemen like us, I, I understand why we like it because we are <laughs> above and beyond these kind of gender norms. But yeah, as a general audience, I find that fascinating. It's kind of a gentle protector fantasy. Okay. Yeah. Like you don't actually have to like, you know, fight off the lions or the bad guys to protect your family, but like they are always safe, always protected. So there's probably something kind of fulfilling and uh, like competency related in there, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there's something kind of nice too about reading a manga where that there's no secret hook at the end where the first the character you like ends up being evil, or yeah. like there's almost no romance in this, so there's no romantic drama. It's just very gentle slice of life. You're telling me, you find- jump- wait, you're telling me Jumbo doesn't hook up? He tries. <laughs> there's this point where he he meets Asagi with the the the. The pretty older sister, and he gets yeah. all tongue tied and doesn't know what to say. And but that's played for laughs. Yeah, I, I love that part. <laughs> yeah, actually, that that brings me to what I've highlighted as my favorite page, which is her saying, "It must be hard finding clothes when you're so big." No way, I don't even need clothes. I'm finding the buff. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like the silent panel, I'm a sucker for a silent panel. Like, yeah, those always get me. And then it really leans into the thing that I've been having kind of the most disconnect with, which is normal speech balloon and then shocking speech balloon. Mm. Oh, because yeah, you had a problem with, uh, which one? Oh, Akira, right? Mm. I've, I've, I've had it like all along delicious and dungeon as well, mm-hmm. where if somebody's, it strikes me as somebody's voice is just slightly elevated. It still gets those balloons. <laughs> so I'm always <laughs> like in my head, I'm screaming them, but, but that works really well for, uh, Jumbo and his nervousness. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh no, I got nervous. Did I say anything weird? He's like screaming all of these things. I'm just like, that's very funny. Yeah, that's uh, that's something people say about comics, like regular American comics, because American comics are usually in all caps. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who pick up comic books or graphic novels for the first time are like, why is everyone yelling all the time? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean? And it's like, no, all caps is is yelling on in internet speak, but that's just how most books, most comic books are lettered. Uh, yeah. these days. it's just easier mm-hmm. to read. I mean, letter-wise, yeah. you know, I think sometimes people save upper and lower case for more, I guess, softer speaking or more gentle. Mm, I don't yeah. know. I don't know the the because I know like when I look at Blambot fonts, there are both all caps and their upper and lowers. Yeah. Please, Deb, hmm? David, you're uh, you're both experts on this. Uh oh. There's a there's a there's a aspect of Japanese kawaii, like, you know, the cute culture that we talk about, right? Like kawaii, you know, like everything's really cute. That is about not just like finding these things, these, these characters really cute, but wanting to protect them. Moi. Uh, like David was sort of getting at. 
And so there's a whole genre of kawaii manga, which is about, yeah, this protector fantasy, this like protector role. I'm looking at a manga, Anime Planet's uh, list of like childcare related manga. And there's like <laughs> 10,000 things that have come up here. But even just within English, uh, like in English translated in English, there's tons of manga that have been translated that are about taking care of, you know, a baby or a toddler or, you know, I guess a five or a six year old or something like that. Notable examples are, I think, With the Light, uh, was came, which came out at around the same time, which is about taking care specifically of an autistic child, mm-hmm. came out at the same time as uh, as Yotsuba did originally, but also more recently things like Our Dining Table or what was it, Sweetness and Lightning that Deb mentioned or, uh, yeah, there's just, I don't know, there's just and then there's, literally then there's, 25 pages. There's the one that I don't, that everyone feels universally yucky about. Oh, well, then no. that's we got to talk about this too. There's uh, is that a bunny drop. Sometimes that bunny drop, and sometimes the protector role goes too far. <laughs> well, but please yes. explain. Please, manga, explain this to me. Deb, it'll it'll sound less gross coming from you. Why don't you give it a shot? Oh boy. <laughs> okay, so bunny drop starts out as a, a story about a a single father, a, a guy taking care of a very a young girl. Basically, the girl is not his biological daughter, but I think it's his grandfather's biological daughter, right? Yeah, so like it's like his a aunt? third cousin or something. Yeah. Some kind so of the, thing. the older man dies, okay. and then she and the girl ends up going with this uh, young man who's never had kids, and he learns how to be a father. Now, this is all very charming, and it's, it's, it feels like it, it's not quite like Yotsu because Yotsu was funnier. But it feels very charming mm. and very slice of life. And then at the end, the they the girl grows up and they get married. <laughs> oh, okay. At, at which point everyone goes, <laughs> ah! <laughs> like, oh my God, what? <laughs> now when you, okay, when you uh, say at the end, like, uh, how long is the series before that happens? About eight or nine volumes. Eight or yeah, nine volumes. Long. Uh, of, yeah, it of, flashes just, forward at the end and like it goes to when she's at 19 or 20 or something and she just decides to uh they fall in love and get married at oh, 11 volumes 11 volumes and that's that's the happily ever after of this yeah of of no no of not of yotsuba of bunny drop no no a bunny yeah, drop, of, of, a bunny yeah. drop. Yotsuba, yotsuba never no. goes there thank <laughs> no, no, you no, god <laughs> So are there any hints in Bunny Drop that that was going to happen? Like, is there no. weird tension things throughout? I don't know. No. it ha- Well, sorry, in the last volume, you can go back and read it, and now every single aspect of it feels really creepy, right? Yeah. But this was a hu- huge series. This was hugely popular in North America when it was translated. It got an anime, all wow. this stuff. And then volume 10, the protector guy marries the kawaii girl as soon as she becomes of age, and you're just like, that's that's creepy. That's super, super That's like the usual uh, suspects of creepiness. Mm-hmm. Like, can you, like, like if <laughs> wow. you're, that's, that's great. That's uh, actually a really good reference. So the, um, so the North American publisher, like I'm assuming they were releasing this while it was still coming out in Japan. So they didn't know that that was coming up. That's my no. assumption. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, can you imagine being that publisher being like, all right, yeah, they'll send us the next volume. And then they get it and they're just, like, oh, shit. It was like this universal record scratch. When everyone got to that last volume, like, <laughs> oh, oh, this was a Jose manga, yeah, as well. Interesting, yeah. And sorry, remind me again, what's a Jose? Manga? It's for women, so for it's, women. it's it's it's, kind of, it's it's this women's female fantasy, right? Because 
what what I liked about Bunny Drop at the beginning was it kind of like it brought to life a lot of the real struggles of raising a children raising a child in Japan as a single parent, like getting time off to to work, getting yeah. enough time off to catch you know, and you know having to deal with the fact that the preschool closes at five and you're you're still stuck at work and all this kind of stuff. Um, he's learning how to feed her. He's learning how to deal with class, school. He's learning how to deal with the kind of societal disapproval that comes from being a single parent or mm. you know or being a male care Jeez. child caregiver in a in a society that expects females to do that work so the beginning volumes of bunny drop um were very interesting in that it shine, sh- shined a light on that reality of raising mm-hmm. kids in Japan that i think a lot of me- men didn't know about but you know uh, then it went in that direction and like ah Whereas, you know, I think what's interesting about when you compare that to Yotsuba, Yotsuba, like, Mr. Uh, Yotsuba's dad is a yeah. very um, carefree parent. Yeah. Mm. Um, he doesn't yeah. stress, I mean, she's five years old. She doesn't go to preschool. She doesn't even go to preschool. Um, he, he lets her do whatever she wants, kind of. But at the same time, he's, he can be firm with her. And, you know, accidents happen. And then it's, it's just kind of a nice gentle look at parenting you never see like like i've never seen yotsuba do like a, a full-on meltdown tantrum mm-hmm. that i've seen real children have you know those yeah. Oh, yeah. those moments where you like um sorry lucy nicely but like you know like lucy nicely has done these diary comics talking about every aspect of raising her child and now i think from the hints i get from reading her diary comics now is that her child's now four three or four and he's a handful. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of gotten past the cute little little blob of cooing, burping, to mm-hmm. this this very um, this tiny human being who has moods. <laughs> yeah, and he's about roughly what I would say is Yotsuba's age. So in some ways, Yotsuba's a little bit like a fantasy mm-hmm. because Yotsuba is precocious and good-hearted. Um, but her, her worst tantrums are, you know, she, like, she doesn't say, I hate you. You know, I wish you would die. Yeah. You know, like the kind oh, of things yeah. that really, <laughs> that really, um, really stab at a parent's heart when a, yeah. when a kid can be that kind of cruel. This is kind of a nice, soft focus, <laughs> charming look at raise, uh, uh, having a kid. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like a bizarro Dennis the Menace almost. I guess so, yeah. Like she's not like doing any, well, I mean, she does a lot of damage, but it's never damage that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is permanent. It's like, oh, like that was a cute thing for a kid to do. I totally understand why this happened this way. Yeah. She's beholden to no one. Yeah. <laughs> Chaos <laughs> agent. She, she just wants to show them the uh, chicadas or whatever. Yeah. That's all. Oh, and that, that moment them. when they bring home the cicadas and then she opens the box. Yeah, and then yeah. all the cicadas yeah. like get released into the house. Yeah, I oh. think that That's like this author is really good at that kind of uh, caricature, mm. like that shorthand. Uh, I love those blank faces with the square mouths. <laughs> like it's just really, yeah, <laughs> it gets the point across <laughs> really well. Yeah, yeah there's uh, there's, those, there's some nice cartooning in this, and there's some not nice cartooning in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I found the art to be really all over the map, which mm. is. Interesting. It's. I, I like the fact that you guys have told me that it uh, gets better as it goes along. Um, it gets dramatically better. 
the backgrounds are like they uh, I'm assuming they're computer generated. No, they're photo traced. Uh, basically, you take a photo and you just trace it and uh, think about. I, I, I noticed a few photo tracings, but also I think there are um, there are actually computer ones as well, like SketchUp or something like that. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's all very very clean. Mm. Like there's there's no background detail that's not super clean. Mm-hmm. There's some later volumes where like they go, um, like um, where he goes, she goes to see hot hot air balloons being launched and that looks mm-hmm. very very much like a photo reference and it's really detailed. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite episode was uh Yotsuban shopping where they go to Muji for like the whole episode. I thought mm-hmm. that was great. Uh and that had like the backgrounds that really I mean there's Muji in Toronto now but also I've been to Muji in Japan and it just like really sets you in a pl- time and place. And then at the sort of climax of that chapter is after they climb they climb the hill to go to the hilltop shrine and they can see the whole town and man that double page spread of the town real good mm-hmm. real real good yeah. that looks great i like that a lot yeah, so there's, yeah there's i think nice that stuff. there is some really nice artistic moments in here and i think the rough stuff yeah it's just it's first volume syndrome so so we should also mention david maybe you should mention you should talk about azumanga dayo azumanga dayo was the this creator's first hit uh, it was first first thing, and it became a hit. But it was a four-panel comic, a yonkoma, which is kind of like the equivalent of our newspaper strips. Basically, it was just four panels per per installment. This is his first. This is his like sophomore thing, where he had a lot of pressure on him to do well. So mm. that's also a thing. Yeah, I think that I think that trans that transition between the two is really interesting. What do you guys think? Yeah, definitely. Um, was it what the font was the four-panel mm-hmm. comic yep. that we read yeah. recently? Yeah. Uh, Azamanga Dayo was a much more slapstick version of that. Like every panel was just joke after joke after joke. It was pretty much all payoff. But it is a very like compressed sort of storytelling. Like you really, really just have space for like figures and maybe one background. But I think that it gives him a really good sense of comic timing. Because mm-hmm. like when the jokes do happen here, uh, like he chooses like the right poses, the right moments to focus on. Mm. Even just them running up the up the stairs to the shrine, and like somehow the dad still beats her, but then like collapses. Yeah. Like that's really good stuff. And I think that's the kind of slapstick that comes from a lot of four panel comics. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, this is also a quite. A, it's set in Japan, obviously. Did any of that kind of confuse you, or um, like any There's cultural things that kind of like were being like, what are what are they doing? Why is that? Like. Uh, like the, that they had these things called air conditioners. No, <laughs> yeah. no, that that there's certain um, mm-hmm. you know, like this excitement about catching cicadas and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I I just chalked that up to like just a thing that I never did. That's all. Like there were mm-hmm. kids I knew that caught like fireflies. Um, so uh, like those, some of that stuff just universal. Just the item that you're capturing out in nature is different. Um, yeah, like. There's nothing in this that tripped me up at all. Okay. Oh, that's interesting because there is a lot of really Japanese stuff, like the um, the circle design that she gets afraid of in the Muji store, which is <laughs> I actually laughed out loud at. That's supposed to scare away crows, like the balloon that you put up that scares yeah. away crows. Is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's in the second volume as well. She encounters <laughs> one in the in a field, and she freaks out, and then it comes back to haunt her. It's really, it's really quick. Uh, I mean, it would it would, uh, it would confuse me if they didn't say within the book that it's to scare crows. Mm-hmm. So even so, you felt it was adequately explained. Yeah, that's all I need. Yeah, 
Like I don't need that's to. Know, I don't need to know the, uh, the psychology of crows to figure out why. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, Pretty they do say it's used to scare birds away. Yeah. There's uh, some, there were more yeah. footnotes than usual than in most of the things we've read so far in this. Yeah. In between panels and things like that, there's a lot of footnotes, I thought, yeah. which yeah. I think is really interesting. I think this, yeah. it, I think it's because Yotsuba was translated twice, um, there was mm-hmm. a version that was ADD and there's a version that was Yen. Um, they made some um, translation decisions that are noticeably different if you have both. Some are great illustrations of pitfalls that translators run into when they're translating a series. Uh, one is this part where Fuka says, what does your dad do? And yeah, yeah. In the, in the original, it says, um, he's a honyakusha, which is a translator. Yotsuba mishears it, and she says, konyakuya, which in, means a guy who makes konyaku, or this, this jelly, <laughs> this kind of like <laughs> yeah. this edible uh, food stuff. That's very Japanese. And so in the in the Yen Press version, they say, oh, he's a trash loader as yeah. a, a translator. But this mm. creates a problem later on because later on, um, so it's a running, it ends up being this running, this subtle running joke throughout the series where Fuka thinks that that's, Yotsuba's dad job is making konyaku. So that when she goes mm. to the supermarket with Yotsuba, she says, look, it's what your dad makes. <laughs> And yeah. she, Yotsuba's like, what? <laughs> I, 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 I did wonder how that was going to play out because when I got to that part, they had the whole translation note. I'm just like, well, it seems like that'll be a thing that comes up again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and yeah. as an editor, like for manga, it's kind of a nightmare that something yeah. minor in one panel will come back up 50 chapters later. And like, yeah. you just get it, you got it wrong. Like you have to kind of mm-hmm. take the loss. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you handle that? It's. I think that's one of the most challenging parts about dealing with Japanese tra- humor, is that a good mm-hmm. deal of Japanese humor is puns. Yeah. Yeah. And that is really difficult to translate. Mm-hmm. Even in the title, I think that... So I guess technically the title is Yatsuba and, which I think is a terrible title in English. <laughs> like, it's really? hard to say, yeah. like, it doesn't flow very well. Yatsuba, great title. Like, it's a name, like, we're used to that kind of thing. But in Japanese, it's Yatsubato, which makes more sense. Like, it has a better rhythm. Mm. And that's the sort of, like, little change that you can make in localization. It'll make something, like, cool and memorable or awkward and weird. Mm-hmm. I think if every, everyone calls this Yatsuba, like, no one really... Yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. Yeah. But you just kind of have to hope you get it right. And in some cases, like, it might require, like, re- really rewriting a joke, like, coming up with a replacement joke to fit in that place yeah. i remember the first time i encountered that i was talking to some folks that translated some books for pulp back in the day mm-hmm. there's one called heartbroken angels which is was released as two hardcover volumes in color uh, by the way Amazing. uh which is really really out of print right now but basically they're, they're like yeah we just had to rewrite the whole book from scratch basically none of the jokes translate at all it's all japanese wordplay and puns and none of it makes any sense so we had to like look at what was happening in the panel and then make a joke about that. And it works. It's really, really <laughs> funny, but it has nothing to do with the original whatsoever. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I have, I have a lot of, I have a lot of sympathy, a lot of respect for translators because it's such a hard job, especially when something's being 
you're working on a translation as something's being serialized. Like they mm-hmm. made this trash loader. They probably didn't know that like six volumes down the line or maybe 10 volumes down the line or whatever, there's like another joke about the Konyaku thing or, or anything. I know people translating, you know, who will remain nameless so that they don't get in trouble. But yeah, translating like epic fantasy series that are like 19, 20, 21 volumes, 22 volumes. And then all of a sudden in like volume 23, It'll call back to something that happened in volume two, and you better have gotten that right. Because if you didn't, like, you're just, you're, you're done. Yeah. You're, you're boned, and you just have to, like, have a whole paragraph in the afterward trying to explain how you <laughs> fucked up. Yeah there's, yeah. there's a lot of challenges with translation. I mean, there's aspects, there's been manga where in, in Japanese, you can be pretty um, discreet about uh, gender. Like, mm. like there's there's been manga where like the the gender of the character is rather mysterious for several volumes, but in English you kind of can't get away with with you have to choose he she her you know he she yeah. he she her him to make it sound natural. You I mean of course there are gender mm. neutral you know pronouns now, but. It's it's. But as a translator, you might not even know you have to. That's right. Like you have to <laughs> yeah. use gender neutral pronouns because you, it's not like you get to, a chance to talk to the author and figure out what their intent is. You're literally just given a copy of the Japanese book and 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 told to go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I actually like, ran into one of these at work. Actually, that exact um, situation oh. where a character was introduced and um, the series is called Hell's Paradise Jigoku Raku, and I have uh, Caleb Cook translating it, who does My Hero Academia, a bunch of stuff. He's really good. And he noticed that when the author referred to a certain character, it was always in a very circumspect way, like avoiding any kind of uh, pronoun. And we were like, huh, that's interesting. And fortunately, because of like the pipeline that we have, we could email the editor on the Japan side and they could talk to the author and tell us like, oh, yeah, don't name that character's gender at all. It's like a thing to do with the story. We don't want to mention it. But, you Mm. know, back in like the 90s or even the early 2000s, you can't just email someone and say like, hey, what's up with this? Yeah, mm. but it's always fun. It's always um, you want to do justice to the original work, but it also has to make sense in English. So there's definitely like compromise mm-hmm. as well. I mean, there's also like in the ADV version of Yotsuba, the ro- cardboard robot is called Cardbo. Yeah, um, which is perfect. <laughs> we, but in the Yen Press version, they call it Danbo, which is the Japanese name because Danbo means cardboard in Japanese. <laughs> so, Which is a rare case of having the same joke in both languages and it working perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when people, when they, when Yen Press released this version and they translated it with the actual Japanese proper name, which is Donbo, people were furious because Cardbo had won a place in their hearts, even though it was a diff- it was a translation rather than a direct name. Yeah. And so they were giving, they were giving Yen so much crap. But then of course, all the Donbo merchandise came out. Uh, the 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 animated shorts, the like Nanbo, which is like the takeoff. And so, yeah, again, we're at a point a generation of manga readers later after this has been released, where no one knows that now. But I can remember so how angry so many people were with Donbo instead of Cardbo in like 2011 or something. I had yeah. to do a whole interview with with uh, Jiyeon from Yen, explaining mm. their rationale for their their translation because it was such a such a conversation point, shall we say. Yeah, I was definitely, I think I preferred the ADV translation. I thought it was a little smoother. I did too. Mm. But hopefully I wasn't harassing anyone on the internet about it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's It was a crazy time. Yeah. (laughs) The Wild West. 
Have I mentioned the just the tips translation thing here before? No. No, no. So on sex criminals, we've had that translate into a bunch of languages. And whenever we get like notes back, like if we're okay with stuff, we're just like, yeah, just go for it. Like, you know, whatever mm-hmm. works in your language. But we did an offshoot sex guide book called Just the Tips, <laughs> which I'm very proud of the title. <laughs> it's very good. Just that volume is going to be published in France. And uh, the, the editor contacted me. He's like, yeah, we have a problem with the... Uh, the title like we can't do a direct translation of it because it doesn't make any sense like for a bunch of reasons i'm like oh okay um yeah you can name it whatever you want he's a good he goes it's good because um there's a few problems with it but one is in france we never put just the tip in Like, it's just not a phrase, like, you know, because, like, I guess that was, like, a thing here in the 90s, whatever, like, yeah, baby, I'm just going to put the tip in, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and in France, he's like, well, I wish I could have, I wish you recorded that conversation, because I bet it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there is no such thing as just the tip here. Um, so they end, up, they end up calling it sans nuance without nuance. That's pretty good. <laughs> he, he, he assured me it makes sense. There's a pun there somehow. I'm like, all right, great. Go for yeah. it. <laughs> oh, In a related man. story, I learned that my 10-year-old nephew listened to the first three episodes of the podcast uh, yesterday. <laughs> and uh, I'll be telling his father not to listen to the rest. Let him listen to the list. He's, uh, he's banned from this podcast. And I'm going to market explicit. So how, old is, how old is he? He's he's like eleven, maybe. Oh, he's, gonna learn, he's gonna learn it from somewhere. Might as well learn it from a manga podcast. <laughs> gonna learn just the tips from you. Forget about that. I had to do the math in my head to see when the Helter Skelter podcast was coming out, and if that was the oh, one. Right. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to mark that one as explicit too. Huh? Yeah. Sorry. So much for our viewership. <laughs> I feel, Already I feel, banning and canceling people, Chris. Maybe we have to shame. read. Yeah. You know, like when, when yeah, you're right? at Comic-Con and there's that little disclaimer on the back of the nameplate where you kind of they tell you to watch your language. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should. Yeah, we cuss so much. Deb pointed out how much we cuss and now I can only hear it every time. I'm I... sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I know that's how you talk because it's like it's perfectly natural because. I think without it, I, I don't hear you in my head. <laughs> oh my God. Like, oh, that's how Chris talks. Foul mouth yeah. Chris Butcher. <laughs> foul, foul mouth. Oh, let's start with David again. What's your final thoughts on Yatsuba? Uh, I am glad you recommended this one because I'd actually fallen off the Yatsuba train for a long time because I was one of the aforementioned haters that Chris was talking about. <laughs> uh, but it's a really good series. The jokes are really like heartwarming. And they're really saccharine, but not in like a too saccharine kind of way. And I think especially during uh, unprecedented times, like the ones we're living through now, it's nice to have like a very comfortable comic to read like this. Like, you know, nothing horrible is going to happen. Like there might be a fight, but it'll be a funny fight. So uh, yeah. I'm all for it. Chris. Uh, I'm so glad I read volume two at the same time as volume one because i think if i when i got to the end of volume one i was like oh man this is gonna be a weird podcast because that last moment with the dad like i was happy to like oh we get to find out that she's been adopted this is very interesting but like that last moment ended with a real (laughs) wet thud uh for me but yeah volume two and the last the last story in volume two which is just about the neighbors and has like such a nice moment at the end of it with the okinawan music and her getting back from okinawan stuff I loved that. Uh, I thought that was such a nice moment. Uh, when Yo- the, the one story Yotsuba was in the least was so nice. Uh, so, uh, but uh, but no, I think 
I think it, I understand completely why people love it. And I think it's getting, I think it's, I think it's getting better in my reading of it. So I'm going to give volume three a shot too uh, and see, well, I'm gonna, maybe I'll read up to volume five because I want to see the introduction of Donbo. I have to, because have, it's really good. I have to ask, have, have you read Yotsuba before, Chris? Uh, I'd read volume one and when I was selling this book to schools, when I was doing like institutional sales for the beguiling, I would just pick it up and read like chapters here and there to be able to talk about it and sell it. That's the dirty secret of selling stuff, by the way, is that you don't have to read the whole thing. You just have to know enough to talk about it to sell it. Uh, but yeah, I would read chapters here and there, but I've never sat down and really read it from start to finish. So, uh, yeah, it was an interesting, it was a lot, but the second volume is, is so strong comparatively. And if you're, if you guys are saying it only gets better from there, that's really good. Actually, I have a funny quick story about Volume 1 of Yotsuba. The ADV version was actually released on Scholastic Book Clubs. You know when you would go to school and you would get the flyer and Scholastic would be like, check here to get the get a book. Volume 1 was released on book clubs, which was a really big deal. It was one of the, I think it was the first ever manga and one of the very first graphic novels from outside of, uh, this is like back in the early, early days. But they took out the whole chapter where Jumbo comes over and like kind of has that like flirty thing with the middle <laughs> kid. That whole chapter was cut and a couple of other changes were made here and there because any kind of suggestion of sexual anything is like a no-go, a real hard no-go. Wow. Um, and so there are lots of volume. There, volume one is actually one of the most printed, was for a long time, one of the most printed manga in English because Scholastic doesn't do runs of less than like 50 or 60 or 70,000. And this volume that I've got here is the 20th printing, I think, um, of Yotsuba. Like it's been in print and popular for a really long time. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting just how wide and popular this series is, but sort of bubbles under the radar because it comes out so slowly. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was happy to get to sit down and read it in its most unexpurgated <laughs> format, I guess. And uh, raw and yeah, uncensored Yatsuba. Raw and uncensored. <laughs> I had no idea it was yeah. censored. The, the, yeah, the, that version me. was, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, we have different takes. And then when you see where like titles like Bunny Drop end up, it's like, oh, it, it was good that they did that. It was very good that they did that, actually. <laughs> to remove any, any sort of suggestion of whatever. I do want to say, yeah, I would totally, I've actually bought this and Andrew's read it. Uh, my husband, Andrew, who I mentioned on the last podcast, but not by name, has read this and we've given it as gifts to both of our, you know, sets of nieces and nephews and to other people's kids and stuff like that, because it is the kind of book that a kid loves and they just so gravitate towards. I've never had a kid who, who, who I've given this to read it, read it and not like it. Libraries wanted it. So I feel like as a grumpy middle-aged dude, maybe I, I wasn't. Uh, in exactly the right headspace for it, so mm-hmm. I don't want to rescind my opening remarks on this title, but <laughs> I will. I will soften them now and say I would. I want to read uh, at least three, four, and five, and get to Donbo and see see what happens. Read the pancake story that Deb loves. I'm and glad you gave the kids the uh, the uncensored Jumbo version. <laughs> they got to learn. I won't have my man Jumbo be censored. I just won't. It's not right. It's not right. Not right. He's 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 big and in charge. Yeah, I like I said earlier, out of all the books we've read, this ranks maybe lowest for me, but I still want to find out what happens. So it's got its hooks in me. Mm-hmm. And uh and yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where it goes. Yeah. That's this is always it's always really weird for me to read a, a, a manga that I generally love and read the first volume again and see what kind of impression it makes on me again. Because right now, like my feelings for Yotsuba are for the whole series, 
But, you yeah. know, like if I was brand new to it and had to just read volume one, would I continue? Would I still love it as much? I would, and I still do. But I, I do, I did leave with a feeling like I was uncomfortable with how old she looked <laughs> and how <laughs> clueless she was in relation to how old she looked. So I'm glad that the drawing later on established her as much as much younger and more innocent in a, in a way that feels appropriate. Mm. The drawing does get better. The humor gets better. But I think compared to like some manga where you have to get to volume 10 before it really kicks in, this one is, I think, like you said, Chris, I think volume two, volume, by the time you get to volume two, volume three, you're kind of into it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I can't wait. All right, let's go to a break. And when we come back, we will talk a little bit about what, we're, what else we're reading and loving right now. And we might get to some Q&A. Okay, we're back, and we actually have a manga explaining milestone. Last week we released a podcast, and now we have fan mail, which is kind of a first for me, maybe. Did they talk about me? Did they talk about me? Yeah, you won't believe what they say about you. I'm going to read this letter in its entirety from (laughs) listener Paul. (laughs) Hi, I'm enjoying the podcast so far. Thanks for making it. I bought Delicious in Dungeon, and I'm excited to read it before listening to episode two. I'm very much in Chip's boat. A lifelong, middle-aged, sorry Chip, white male comics reader who missed the boat on manga's arrival in the U.S. and Canada. I like that he included and Canada on that one. That was pretty cool. Wow. I know I'm missing out on great stuff, but don't know where to start. But I keep encountering one serious barrier that I was hoping you'd address, but hasn't really come up in episodes 0 and 1. I'm finding the whole right-to-left reading to be a huge problem. I have to consciously remind myself in every single panel to read the balloons and actions in reverse of how I usually read them. And those conscious reminders interfere with my enjoyment of the book. I've read a few of Drawn and Quarterly's literary manga adaptations, and I think they're masterful pieces of art. But the act of reading them is incredibly arduous and not enjoyable. Practice doesn't seem to be helping. I go through the same misreading process every single time, from beginning to end. Am I uniquely bad at this? Is there anything I can do? I really want to enjoy these books, but I'm frustrated by my inability to adapt. With all my love to Chip, Paul. Wow. Yeah. It's funny. We haven't really dug into this about about reading right to left. I no, think I mean I, I only tripped up I tripped up on uh on Akira mm-hmm. and then a little bit on Delicious and Dungeon and by the end of that I think I I kind of got the hang of it. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so I don't I don't know if there's any suggestions how to get better at it except for keep doing it. I mean, he says he's practiced, but um um, I would suggest just not reading any English uh, left to right books. Yeah, honestly, I think just that's great advice. <laughs> like from my perspective, I don't remember a time when I couldn't read right to left, at least in manga. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, now that I'm really, now that my job is reading manga, I see that the left to right and right to left thing in manga is actually a smokescreen because a lot of manga panels will read left to right on a page that reads right to left. The actual like the reading order of your eyes is kind of all over the place sometimes so you Mm. kind of just have to keep reading a bunch of manga to get over it i feel until your brain is trained but i would suggest actually finding some manga that is uh like battle manga like lots of fights and things like that things that have a very clear visual flow more so than a conversation Mm. because then your eye really has to follow what's going on on the page well if it's just word balloons you kind of skip from spot to spot to spot 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And some 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 comics are better at at the flow than others. I would say start mm-hmm. with something mm-hmm. that's a little less arty, like the drawn and court, like the stuff that, like I think the drawn and quarterly stuff sometimes is very sophisticated visually mm. or very dense visually, and so you mm-hmm. might want to go to something that's a little bit uh, lighter uh, density wise. <laughs> To, yeah. to get used to it, I think mem- I remember for the Tezuka manga that Vertical put out, they had a a disclaimer on the back, you know, the, the, that page that says you're opening the book the wrong way. Yeah, um, their disclaimer was, you know, so- we're sorry, this is a thing, but keep doing it, and your brain will be stronger. We promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thinking of it like you're leveling up is actually maybe a good, maybe it's mindset, but I think, yeah, a lot of the art manga uh that dnq publish comes from like the garo school mm-hmm. and these are folks who aren't generally considered to be generally this is a big generalization but generally considered to be like the best visual artists that, like they're they're there because their stories are so compelling you know what i mean uh and it's not necessarily about like being able to render the best or being able to have the best page flow or that kind of thing I will say that Tatsumi went and hand flipped all of his work to read in the, the mm. left to right, the American North American reading order for Drifting Life. And so that's, you know, that's one that's actually really easy to read. I'd love for us to read it on panel sometime, but it's so steeped in its time. I wanted to like get a little bit further along. But there is manga, you know, if you're if you're like, nah, I'm not I'm I'm tapping out, I'm not gonna do this, there is manga that's flipped to read left to right in the North American reading order for whatever kind of manga uh, you might enjoy. Um so cheese sweet home is one that's flipped and that's for for the little kid you know for again that read in a seinen manga but it's about an adorable little kitten who is like lost and discovering things it's not unlike yotsuba that's one that's that's in the left to right reading order for example mm-hmm. looking at my shelf things like a lot of um tanaguchi's work because it was for grown-ups was flipped to read in the north american reading order jiro tanaguchi so a good example would be the original version of walking man or zoo in winter or stuff like that and i think um Lone Wolf and Cub, Honestly, of the Immortal. Yeah, Lone Wolf and Cub. A lot of the early DNQ or DNQ, uh, Dark Horse translations and things like that. Fanagraphics um, has done that with with a lot of their manga. Has flipped it to the North American reading order. I think the Motohagio is all tra- is all flipped as well, right? So like, it's I know that when you're buying a thing online, it's it's tough and you can't really go into stores right now to see. But uh, yeah, I I picked it up so quick. I picked it up with the very first. <laughs> Sold, but I I picked it up with the very first stuff that was published unflipped, like Evangelion and uh, and Dragon Ball. So I never had that problem. But I do feel the pain, you know, like because when I try to read a BD, I find mm-hmm. BD like slaps me in the face of my. Uh, it's a different visual literacy. Like I find Absolutely. French uh, French comics to be so visually dense, like they pack so many panels on a page. I find it hard mm. to read. Agreed. So I, I have a question. Maybe it's too big a question, but um, uh, flip versus uh, original format. Mm-hmm. Is there is there a, a fight over that? The same way there would be yes. over like dub versus subbed. <laughs> uh, it's a mostly settled fight, except for some publishers are like, no, we will definitely sell more books if we flip it. Mm-hmm. But like as far yeah. as the fandom goes, generally they want it in the Japanese order. And yeah. and, and why do they want it in the Japanese order? Because it just because of real. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, authenticity is a big part of it. It sort of goes into the history of uh, Japanese pop culture in the U.S. and Canada a little bit. How the first manga to come out over here were flipped 
Lone Wolf and Cub came mm. out in single issues in the 80s with Frank Miller covers, uh, yeah. which are you know, like great drawings, you know, but it's not quite the same as the original. Mm-hmm. Also, too, like if, if you've ever drawn something and you've, you've put it on a, you flipped it over and put it on a light table, you'll notice yeah. that it looks weird. Like you're, the, 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 the face, the features look skewed or like it looks strange. Like, well, yeah, you have to be a really good draft person to, to have it flip. If it's good or not. Well, you're, yeah, you're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But a lot of manga. So Akira Toriyama, very famously, he, he created Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, wouldn't let his manga be published in English because he wouldn't let it be published uh, flipped because he was afraid it would show all of his art mistakes. He was really <laughs> upset about this idea. So they finally, when the Big Shonen Jump stuff happened in, I think, 2003, they finally caved and they're like, fine, we'll, pub- we'll print it. You know, we'll print it only backwards. They had tried the experiment earlier with um, the Satomoto Evangelion comics, where they're actually the first ones that came out um, unflipped. And those sold well. Actually, the, the unflipped ones, the Japanese orientation ones, sold a little bit better than the, the English ones. They put out two oh, did they? side-by-side versions. Yeah. Wow. And they were like, okay, we could do this with Toriyama. And they did. And of course, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball C were huge and mm-hmm. ushered in the manga boom and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, like a lot of mangaka are very afraid of their art mistakes being shown by having the having the artwork flipped. And so that's why a lot of stuff wouldn't, they wouldn't allow it to be translated. They wouldn't allow it to be flipped. And so these days it's, um, it's people like, you know, our friend Paul here, middle-aged folks who want to read cool manga, but are having a hard time with reading backwards text because they've got so much time under their belt reading it the other way. David, I think your suggestion is so good mm-hmm. of like finding something where the artist specifically is trying to direct your eye across the page and with like intense and well-done choreography. Could you make a, could you make a recommendation? Um, I would say something for free. Um, there's a Shonen Jump app on, like, to talk about my employer for a second. There's a Shonen Jump app where uh, you can read a bunch of chapters for free online on viz.com or maybe shonenjump.com. I should really look that up. Anyway, it's free. Look <laughs> we'll at, put it in the uh, notes. <laughs> look at Dragon Ball Z, for instance, or One Piece. That has a lot of really good storytelling. And they're also, One Piece is a very visually dense comic. So as your eye moves across the page, like, you're, it, you sort of have to follow the art the way it goes. Well, if it's just like a figure on a blank background, there's just like that single image. So definitely fight manga. I would also say like uh, one thing that I noticed when I would when I uh, went to anime conventions and I would take pictures of people cosplaying, and I would say, oh, what you know, which what uh, manga is this from? Or, mm-hmm. And some people would tell me they never read the manga; they would only watch yeah. the anime, <laughs> or they didn't know there was a manga; they just watched the anime. So I would say if 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 reading the manga is that difficult, uh, you know, like that painful, watch the anime. <laughs> yeah. You'll still get the story. And I think it's kind of like a Mac- Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 pages thing. Like once you do it enough, like your brain, it might take a little longer, but your brain will get used to it. Yeah. And then you'll read The Walking Dead in the wrong order. Like I do sometimes. I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a transition. I mean, I would say try, mm-hmm. try. Maybe put yourself on a manga diet where you read only manga for like a day or two, or don't try mm-hmm. to switch between American and Japanese immediately right after one after the other, because maybe that's harder. You know what I find actually works okay for me is relaxing my eyes a bit, mm. almost like a magic eye where you're trying to see the 3D thing and the 2D printed whatever. I find that the harder I concentrate 
on the page flow and the panel flow, the more I get caught up in left to right and right to left. But like being able to take in a page as a page and scanning a page and then reading the individual panels and word balloons, mm-hmm. I find helps a lot. Oh, that's a good tip. Also, don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah. Like it really, yeah. like Deb said, you know, it's, it really is a different comics dialect. And we, you know, if you spend 40 years doing something one way, like just suddenly changing it up is pretty tough. I mean, you know, I had no to drive in Japan is. and I was Yeah, I'm still out. impressed by that. I was <laughs> feeling yeah. awkward in the back seat. <laughs> I mean, dri- it's like driving on the other side of the road. Yeah. And it's a little, it's a little tricky to get used to, but it's doable. Mm-hmm. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So we're just going to get right into this as yet untitled (laughs) manga segment. So I've shared a link in the chat with uh, my co-host here. The cover to chapter 27 of Ajin Demihuman, which is a manga that I like quite a bit. It's... The short version is that it's about invincible, immortal people doing violent things to each other. So, like, right up my alley, basically. Yeah. But I wanted to bring it up because Chip is a comics creator, and these two images show something I think is kind of interesting and kind of cool about manga sometimes, which is that the serialization is not even necessarily a finished product. It's sort of like a step in the process to getting to the paperback, which is the permanent edition. <laughs> and uh, this page just shows a character smoking on a balcony. Like, it's clear... She just woke up, like, it's like a morning cigarette and coffee kind of a scene. And it caught my eye because it was such a stark, empty, kind of moody image. And then when the paperback came out, they'd added backgrounds and, like, a really detailed, like, cityscape. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is what this was supposed to be like all along. But kind of growing up on Marvel books, I never saw things like this happening. You know, this level of post-production fixing. And I kind of wanted to get your take as a comics creator, like... How do you feel about something like this? Um, when it comes to like fixing mistakes, I'm all for it. Like mm-hmm. that is something that sometimes happens at Marvel, sometimes doesn't. Like single issues I've had like extensive errors, <laughs> either in the <laughs> either in the coloring or the lettering. Um, something just didn't make it through, and yeah. uh, I'll all, we'll always say, "Yeah, we'll catch it in the trade paperback," and like it's like 50 50 if it actually gets there because it's a different department and there's all these steps to it, mm-hmm. which is frustrating. Cause I don't think, don't think the trade paperback is the final form now that like Marvel and DC don't look at it that way. And they look at like the hardcovers as being the final now because those have kind of taken off. So uh, trade paperbacks mm-hmm. are as disposable now, I think also based on paper quality <laughs> as, uh, as the single issues. So I'm, I'm, I'm for changing things that are mistakes, but this is more of a, we didn't have time to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and we're going to, we're going to do it now. I just don't have the time to revisit. Like, mm. I don't, I don't know how people find the time to go back to their works while they're continuing to make new work and decide to like, Oh, I'm going to spend my extra hours, you know, adding stuff to previous stuff. Like yeah. it becomes some, and sometimes you know it can be the George Lucas problem, right? 
Mm-hmm. Where you just go back and keep tinkering because you think like, oh, now I can make it better. Now I can make it better. But are you at that point? Mm-hmm. Like, comics is a medium where the output is just so enormous that mm-hmm. um, going back and revisiting and, and changing things just doesn't seem like the best use of time to me. But yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, in this case, I, I feel especially because I, I think I prefer the original version. Right, they're very different yeah. images. Yeah, and as a cover. Yeah. Yeah. And these kind of things, they don't happen super often in manga, but they happen often enough that if you pay attention, you can notice it. Uh, like, Deb, you mentioned that there was a Blue Exorcist chapter that was basically pencils with there like, are just several, faces. There have been ink. several. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like, Blue Exorcist is, is a beautifully drawn manga, and it obviously mm-hmm. takes her a fair amount of effort to do it, even with assistance. But I remember, like, reading the the serialization that came up digitally on Shonen Jump. And it looked like like a page where only the gun was drawn in and the characters were kind of penciled in. And I, so I sent a little note to, you know, like a private message to the editor saying, you might want to fix that. <laughs> Looks like you guys grabbed the wrong page. And go, they, they wrote back and they said very nicely, very politely said, no, that's how it showed up in Japan too. <laughs> and it was like, ah, so that's what happens when you miss a deadline. The, the editor grabs your pages out of their out of your hands while you scream, "No, it's not done yet!" And they go, "No, it just has to get done." And they just grab it and they put it in the goddamn magazine, <laughs> and you yeah. fix it later. <laughs> I, I've I've been in that boat before at Marvel, where the arts come in really late and. Um, and it's just, it's not good. It's just not good. But they're just like, well, there's nothing we can do. We've held the files at the printer. Like, mm-hmm. if we don't send it, we're going to lose $20,000 in, 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 like, printing fees. Yeah. So we actually have to send it like this. And it breaks my heart when it happens. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really brings me back to working at the newspaper. Because the newspaper is like, well, we're putting it out every day. Mm-hmm. And you're working on a thing. And there's a spot on the page for it. And that spot's going to get filled at six o'clock. Like, yeah, I did newspaper work too. And it's, it's a different, it's a different type of pressure. The most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me professionally ever happened at the newspaper for weeks leading up to a federal election in Canada. I was in charge of doing a a two page spread, which was a map of Canada. And as results came in, I'm supposed to like turn over all the different writings. There's 308 writings. I think at the time, to, you know, blue, orange, red, like all the parties in Canada mm. as the results mm. come in. I, I spent weeks setting it up so we could just do it almost automatically, really. But there's still some manual to it. Mm-hmm. The results were coming in so late and there was such a disconnect between me, the assistant, the intern that was feeding me the information and the person getting the information and the managing editor standing behind me screaming at me because we, our first print deadline is so early that we had a two-page spread in which only five writings were decided Jeez. out of 300 and something. <laughs> and so it was a two-page spread, just like results as of now, that like somebody was going to pick up the paper, open it up, and it's just a blank country <laughs> with just like, just like a few maritime writings. It's just so... I've never been yelled at so much by my mm. managing editor who's just like, we got to send this, we got to send this. And I'm just, I'm desperately trying to get the information to turn these over. And it's just the worst. And yeah. at least in newspapers, 
they, they the saying was always like, you know, today's news is tomorrow's bird liner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, the yes. cages like so you just you've got to move on and move past it and i kind of i've tried to do that with comics it's a bit harder because obviously it's an art form and you care more about the work mm-hmm. than I, I ever did about the maps but sending stuff out incomplete is just yeah it's it's a little heartbreaking yeah this is the kind of thing that as an editor it's a nightmare but as like a, a reader and a critic i'm like yeah show me more but yeah i just wanted to share that it's there's so much about manga i think that is interesting and this sort of behind Mm -hmm. the scenes thing uh shows up so rarely like we talk a lot about the artistic evolution but also like you get to see mistakes on the page sometimes and that's always yeah endearing well i mean um wave wave listen to me there was a page in there that was like i why i know that page was done in half an hour yeah Like, (laughs) like it was the only page where it was like they use like a photo stat of the outside of the establishment. Yeah. Like was really rough. The characters were crudely drawn. I'm just like, ah, oh, I know that heartbreak, but I also know you gotta, you gotta keep moving. Like deadline just, king is king. The nature of it. Yeah. Art, art is, uh, abandoned, not finished. <laughs> like that's, and that's, that's the phrase that's always there in my head. Mm-hmm. Like you never finish a painting. There's no such thing as finishing a painting. There's abandoning the painting <laughs> at some point. Isn't that the Pic- famous Picasso quote? It's like art, half of art is knowing when to stop. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to say straight up, we'd be remiss in not mentioning Hunter x Hunter uh, in this discussion if for um, all of the actual hardcore weebs, anime fans who are listening to this. Uh, are... The hardcore fans would tell you that the X is silent. Oh, sorry. Hunter Ooh. Hunter. Thank you. <laughs> Some of us learned before the anime was on TV. Way to go, David. But yeah, like uh, Togashi Sensei, who does the art for that, basically they've been publishing his roughs because he just is taking so long to do new chapters. Yeah, the difference between the... I'm looking at one of the differences here. And we'll put all this, by the way, if you're listening, if you're like, why are they talking about a visual thing we can't see? We'll put it all in the show notes at mangasplaining.com. If you're not reading the show notes while listening to this, you are missing out because Chris does a fabulous job. (laughs) I I wouldn't be able to do anything if it wasn't for you guys. Okay, Uh, I'm looking at an image where it's like the weekly is literally pencil sketches like not even like as bad as the little exercise that you were talking about but like like it looks like his layouts have been blown up uh like and drawn it like you know Damn. two inches by three inches and then blown up to a page and then printed and then the final is like oh manga art <laughs> looks good <laughs> you know what i mean so it's uh that weekly grind is tough i i, I would i just want another note be kind to your mangaka be kind to manga artists like yeah these schedules are grueling oh, yeah. in north america too like Monthly comics are are tough. They're really, really hard. So yeah, if something doesn't come out quite right, just try to be kind. You don't have to like love it, but you could at least not be mean to people. <laughs> Especially not me. <laughs> yeah. That's all I had. Deb, you can have your podcast back now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this was Manga Splaining Episode 7. We talked about Yotsubo by Kiyohiko Azuma, as well as a few other manga that you'll also get to see on our show notes at mangasplaining.com. Join us next week when we are going to be talking about, well, what are we going to be talking about? Uh, Nine billion needles. Ooh, good one. Ooh, this is the big one. Oh, seven billion needles. This is yours, and you got the name wrong. Because I was talking about another story called Nine Billion Names of God earlier, and I keep Uh, saying the wrong thing in my head both times. 
So seven billion needles uh, yes. will be next week, and David will be hosting. This one's really interesting too because we're going to read. This is a short series. There's only four volumes. We're going to read all four. We're going to talk about the whole series from beginning to end. So enjoy. been manga explaining episode 7 yotsuba by kiyohiko azuma published by yen press thanks for listening for our next episode we'll be discussing the manga the way of the house husband by kosuke ono published by viz media want to pick up a copy consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop find one near you at comicshoplocator.com you can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com thanks to dads for their musical accompaniment this episode when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.